we believe that um, getting into and exploring Scripture really does transform a person's life. Um, you know, there are all kinds of backgrounds represented in the room, and the power of God revealed through Christ as defined in the Word of God is really what we constantly come back to over and over. This is a year, 2016, a year of, what's our word this year? Enrichment. We are enriched by God that we might enrich the lives of others. That's the reason God has so blessed us uh, and transformed us so that we then can reach into the lives of others and help them explore and understand the loving, powerful nature of God to really help us walk through some of the things that we walk through in our lives. So I encourage you to stay in the Word. And, and what we're doing today is we're stepping back into our focus. We're going through 66 books of the Bible. And we're going through them very uniquely so. If you'll pass down the notebook and take out your note cards if you've not already done so, um, what we're discovering is where Jesus is in the Bible. Jesus is, is everywhere in the Bible. In fact, the book of John, chapter 5, verse 39, Jesus makes this curious statement. And, and this is kind of what got me started down this path. Because I read this, and Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and he says, you know, you're studying the Scriptures because you think through the, the verses you have eternal life. But what he said is, the Scriptures testify about me. Jesus said, the Scriptures testify about Jesus. Now, you got to understand, how many of you know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John testify about Jesus? But this is the book of John, and he was saying this before any of the New Testament was written, and so obviously Jesus is referencing the existing Scripture that he had in his day, and he's talking about the Old Testament law and the Old Testament read of Scripture that would be uh, available to his generation. So we find Jesus in Genesis in a very unique and powerful way. We find Jesus in Exodus. He's in every single book of the Bible, and we're walking through this. Today we're going to get all the way to the book of Ezekiel. But just kind of a, a refresher course in a sense, I want to take you back to the original insight I shared out of the book of Genesis just very quickly. And, and there's a ton of stuff today that I have pages written for you on the blog that you can access at destinychristian.com um, because we're just going to get into the first chapter of the book of Ezekiel today. There's so many amazing things. The river, uh, the, I'm sorry, well, the river. Um, just a lot of things in Scripture in, the, in this particular book that show Christ in a powerful way. But, but track me with this if you recall when we started in Genesis 1. We go to the beginning. That's why the turn the page challenge is go to the beginning and just read. Make, you know, start at Genesis 1-1 and put the date at the top of the page. So here it is, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so there are a lot of things that you're going to read, and you're going to, as you're reading, you're going to understand and say, oh, I see Jesus in that. And then there's some things like this where you're not necessarily going to see it unless we explore a little deeper. And that's what my job is. And I want to ask you to come expecting that God would reveal himself in a powerful and profound way. Just put a demand on that anointing every time we gather as the church. Because what you don't see in the translations of Scripture in this particular verse is that there is actually a fourth word in the Hebrew language that doesn't make it into any translation that we would have. In the beginning, God created. That's the way we read that. But there's this fourth word, and it's a really interesting word. And the reason it doesn't translate into uh, any of the translations that you might be reading, NIV, KGV, uh, NAS, all the translations that are there, the reason it doesn't make it is because it's not actually a word. It's just two letters. It's the beginning letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it's the ending letter 
of the Hebrew alphabet. Now, does that make you think of anything right off the bat? Off the bat? Maybe you immediately know Scripture enough to, to devote your attention and think about Revelation 1.17, where Jesus reveals, and he says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, or the first and the last. Jesus reveals himself in the end of the book as the beginning and the end. And we see this very curious word that doesn't make it into translation in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God, the Alpha and Omega, created the heavens and the earth. And so Jesus is revealed in this. And just to further substantiate this point, you could actually cross-reference where that, uh, and again, Alpha Omega is the Greek, okay? It's not the Hebrew, but it's the first and last. So it's the same concept and idea here. And you see that same expression not translated into English in the book of Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10. And it says, they shall look upon whom they've pierced. And it's speaking a prophecy of the Messiah that would one day come and be crucified. What's his name? Uh, the Messiah that would one day come and be crucified. What's his name? Jesus. That's who we're talking about. And, and in this verse, tucked in, you don't see it in the English language, but if you go to a lexicon or, you know, uh, if you study this out more in depth, you'll see it says, they shall look upon, and there's the word, beginning in, that first word of the, first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it says, they shall look upon the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, whom they pierced. So Jesus is being revealed, and if you study this out beyond what you know would be typical, then we start to see some of those things. So I want to give you a little bit of history and context as we find Jesus in the book of Genesis today. He's revealed in every book of Scripture in fantastic, fantastic, amazing ways. Uh, in Ezekiel, the thing I want to focus on with you, and each of these, you know, instead of somebody going under our website, because one day when you're reading, you know, in your Bible and you get to the book of Ezekiel, my hope is that you'll think, I'd like to see a little bit of the history and context of this book. You'll log on to our website, and you'll find 66 messages that are about a half hour in length, and you'll be able to go to each one of those books and just pick up in that 20, 30 minutes of listening the history and context of that book that will help you read the book more effectively. You know, my goal is not to come in and, and help you feel dazzled with a speaker. My goal is to come in and, and hope you feel empowered to know your Savior. I want you to have a personal relationship with your God, with your Word, with Jesus. So you'll find this tool as we're going to go all the way through the book of Revelation, but what you'll find in the book of Ezekiel um, in the, the title for this chapter, this book, is how God speaks our language. I just want you to know God speaks your language. Whatever your language is, he speaks your language. Ezekiel was called by God as one of the major prophets that we read about in Scripture to deal with catastrophe, okay? Things were bad. Times were tough. Here's the bottom line. Uh, it was a scenario where Babylon had invaded Israel in the 6th century, and, and, uh, and Israel wasn't just, you know, like an innocent victim in this. They had disobeyed God over and over and over, and much of what was going on in their life was the result of consequence of not being obedient. How many of you know disobeying God can lead to great consequence? I'm so thankful for my wife, and we've been married for 26 years. And How many of you know if I decide to go have an affair then there are consequences that will come to my life. Number one, she will kill me. Number two, she's a lawyer. She'll take everything I have. I mean, there's no way I'd ever do this. There are a lot of reasons, okay? Uh, but, but, I mean, there are all kinds of... How many of you know you can make enough bad decisions in your life that you don't even need a devil to wreck you? 
So understand that. We need to get this. This is where the Israelites were, and Ezekiel reveals something so important. In their place of great devastation, he came, God came and spoke their language to help them. That's, that's God's heart and his desire. So we find this Jesus revealed in the book of Ezekiel where God literally is revealing that there's hope no matter what. There's hope no matter what. How many of you have made horrible decisions and you, are, you made your bed and now you have to lie in it? Can I just see? You got to understand, we all understand that and that's not a hopeless situation. Even in that circumstance, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine. And I want to stir that perspective in you today as we address this and we see what Ezekiel was bringing to God's people. So here's your first blank, write this in. Denial and despair are two common reactions to devastation. So here the Israelites are in a place of great devastation. And the common reaction of their day are denial. I'm just going to refuse to acknowledge that there's a problem. And despair. I'm going to be paralyzed, assuming the worst possible conclusion about my situation. Those are the two common responses. And, and with that, next week, I'm going to go political on you. How many of you know it's going to be an exciting morning? Like anybody feeling political upheaval and confusion in the nation and day and hour that we live? Uh, next week, I'm going to talk to you out of the book of Daniel that I believe Jesus in Daniel reveals something very important for us about government. So if you're looking at the situation and you're saying, I don't even, I, this is horrible, this is terrible, I don't know what to do, then, then you might be in that posture of despair. And I want to caution you, don't make the worst, you know, don't, don't just start assuming all these horrible conclusions, but I also want to caution you, don't just step back and just be in a place of denial, saying, oh, it's, you know, no, no worry, you know, if, if everybody just vote for my candidate, everything will be okay. Right? That this is not where this is not where we need to land as the church, and so we're going to see something very, uh, very unique. We're going it, it just brings it around from a whole new angle as we get into this next week. Jesus in Daniel, and I'll make a few political declarations in that in that regard. So, uh, so plan to be here. Here's the thing: you and I. Um, let's just be honest. We might not be much, but we're all God has. <laughs> Think about this, okay? Like. Twelve disciples following Jesus, they're thinking Jesus is going to overthrow the Roman government. Like, that's what some people are wanting in the U.S. today, that, you know, this whole perspective paradigm that the disciples were chasing after Jesus for, and, and, and they're saying, Jesus, you know, come take care. I mean, this is injustice. Look what's going on. Finally, the Messiah has come. We believe. Whip them. <laughs> Whip them. I don't, you know, I mean, just like, go get them. Turn them upside down. And, and so then he, like, dies. And, and they're thinking, this isn't what I had in mind. How I many know that's not what they had in mind? And after he dies, then he comes back, and they're like, are you kidding? Like, I never saw that coming. And, and then, like, they're, they're together, and they're talking, and one of them's committed suicide because Judas, you know, he, like, sold out and then killed himself over the deal. And Peter, he, you know, he bowed under the pressure to a little girl. That, you know, standing there, and she says, hey, I know you. And he's, no, no, that's not me. I mean, he did everything he could to make sure that they, and so you got these 11 disciples remaining, and they come together, and they're having a conversation, and they had to say, like, Jesus came to change the world. Like, this is the truth and the hope of all humanity. <laughs> he left it to us. 
And, and I think maybe at that point, Peter said, he spoke up and he said, we may not be much, boys, but if we don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Like, people who didn't know Jesus, they're not going to serve him. Yeah, let's all clap our hands and declare it. We're going to do this thing. So we may not be much, but we're all he has, and he's actually chosen us, so get over it. <laughs> Let's just give ourselves 100% to everything God wants to do. Yeah, you understand? You are the giant killers of your generation. You, you got to know that. You, there aren't other giant killers out there. Jesus appointed you. He gathered us today. We're here on assignment. If it's your first day here, then you, you're here on, actually not on accident. We believe God purposes everything well. And you need to hear me say today, you're a giant killer to your generation. And the kingdom of God needs to expand through your surrendered available life. So the power of God can be revealed and other people can find hope in all of fallen humanity. Jesus is alive. Be empowered, church. The giant killer's reality is born from God's perspective. Giant killers, rise up. The giant killer's reality is born from God's perspective. This is why I'm constantly saying this turn the page challenge thing. I mean, just get in the word. You don't understand it? Don't worry about it. Just stay in there. Because to memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. Have you ever thought about that? To memorize the Bible is literally to memorize the mind of God. And it allows then your reality and your paradigm to be born from God's perspective because you have God's thoughts in your life. And so we want to really come back and reiterate that over and over. So what, what I want to do, hopefully you'll read the book of Ezekiel each, each week as I'm, I'm having to really work at this because now we're in some bigger books. Uh, but each week I'm, I'm reading the entire book and then studying history context and just bringing things that I feel like the Lord wants us to understand. And today is a very unique insight out of the book of Ezekiel. It's a little confusing, kind of hard to understand. And that's partially why I chose to dive into it because if you just read it, you're not gonna get it. And so in Ezekiel chapter one, starts in verse 10, and this speaks of the faces of God. And a lot of people don't really realize why this is so significant. But let's take a look in Ezekiel. Again, God's speaking our language, and, and we'll see that in this progression. Their faces look like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being. Everybody say man. On the right side, each had the face of a lion. Everybody say lion. And on the left, the face of an ox, ox, and, uh, and the face of an eagle. So we've got man, lion, ox, eagle. These are the four faces of God. Jesus is revealed in the four faces of God, and I want to show you how. First, I want you to realize this actually also speaks of how Jesus is revealed in the fivefold ministry. If we fast forward into the New Testament in the book of Ephesians, we read about the fivefold ministry. And you'll see. In the fivefold ministry, these four faces are revealed. The, the face of the man reveals the pastor and teacher. And, and I know that when you read your Bible and you read about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor and teacher, you don't necessarily realize it, but pastor and teacher always go together. In all these translations of scripture, they're always put together, pastor and teacher. 
And the reason is because they represent the face of man. And how many of you are teachers in school? Can I just raise your hand if you teach? Okay, I promise you, you are pastors. You might not even realize the degree, but you are pastoring a flock in that classroom. You're pastoring those people. Every pastor becomes a teacher, and every teacher becomes a pastor because they are very intertwinable in their expression and in their gifts. So the face of man reveals the pastors and teachers. The face of the lion reveals the apostle that comes into territory and roars and calls order. The face of the ox reveals the evangelist that goes through difficult places, you know, hard ground, and tears up that ground so seed can be sown. That's what that ox represents, the evangelist that goes into those difficult places and declares that there's still hope in the midst of it all, turn to Jesus. Eagle speaks of the prophet. And the, the eagle speaks of, you know, flying really high, like way above where any of the rest of us are, seeing things really far, way beyond what any of the rest of us see. So those are the four faces of God revealed in the book of Ezekiel, aligned with the spiritual gifts. And I want to just walk you through a little bit why those are so significant and how Jesus is being revealed in the midst of it all. Some days, let me just ask, how many of you are more than conquerors? Why don't you say amen? amen. Uh, like you're the head, not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You know, I mean, I could, I could preach you up right now. Like the, the promises of God belong to us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. We can start quoting all kinds of verses in Scripture. But how many of you know all that's true, but still there are those days that you're not thinking about more than conquering. You're thinking just merely surviving. Like you come to a day when circumstances come your way, reports come your way, situations come your way, and all you're thinking about is, I just got to get through today. If I can just get through today. Like, don't require me to have faith for big things beyond that. I just need faith for today. We all come to that point. And we need to understand God's not afraid of that point. Uh, Pastor Nathan, who's up here sitting on the front row, he, he shared recently a story just at his journey having come off of meth and all the stuff that he was involved in years ago. And, uh, and he said, you know, when he was sober, for three days. He hadn't gotten high in three days. He felt so victorious. Amen. How many of you know, like just three days? That's a great victory when your previous victory is only one or two days. And then like three days led to three weeks, three weeks to three months, three months to three years, three years to 30 years, 30 years to thousands of people that are inspired and empowered, rising up in the power of God because of the story they've heard of his life. I'm speaking prophetically of 30 years. We haven't gotten there, but we will. No relapse. No relapse, okay? I just, you know, you got to understand, victory comes in layers and levels, and wherever you are, that's the beautiful thing about God, wherever you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how you brought something on yourself, it's like he's the face of man first. That's the first face revealed. He's the face of man that comes and meets you where you are. Uh, Charlie and Dee Dee are over, and uh, raise your hand so everybody sees who you are. We have to make sure everybody remembers Dee Dee's still on assignment from her doctor, so give her space. She's not allowed to give hugs and that sort of thing while she's walking through uh, this particular season, this challenging season, but God's giving them great victory in Jesus' name. And uh, Charlie and Dee Dee, when we were helping the city of Moore after the big tornado, they went out and they were, you remember we had like 
70 semi-loads of food and supplies that we were actually able to distribute as a part of the City of Moore's warehouse. And it was a beautiful thing for our church to come together. And this place was packed full of stuff. And uh, Charlie and Dee were out and they were delivering things. And they decided one day, we're going to go have lunch after they'd been out in the tornado rubble. And, and they were going to eat at a really nice a really nice restaurant. I, I'm, because of the nature of the story, I'm not going to mention the name, but, but they went down to Devon Tower and went up on the 48th floor. <laughs> and that you could see out the window, and it's a vast view everywhere you look. And, and as they got off the elevator, they stepped out, and Charlie was wearing shorts. And, and you just got to understand, he's got really sexy legs anyway. But, but when, he, when, he stepped off the, when he stepped off the elevator, the, the person there at the, at the counter, they kind of looked at him, and they looked him up and down, and they said something to this effect. We do have a dress code here, you know. To which Charlie and Dee Dee gladly left, got on the elevator, and went on their way. And have you ever, like, felt out of place? That was an illustration of feeling out of place. Like, you get around a certain group of people, and they don't necessarily let you in. Aren't you glad God never looked you up and down to check you out before he took you in? Like, he just took you in. That's the kind of God we serve. Aren't you thankful for God's gracious love and wonderful embrace in our, every one of our lives? Now, let me just ask you this question. As you're feeling these warm, fuzzy, wonderful feelings about this amazing God, how do you think most Christians make non-Christians feel about themselves? Think about that. Because most of us Christians in America have the erroneous idea, and it's wrong, if we could just extract all the bad people out of the nation and just put them in their own nation. Like if they don't want to be in a Christian nation, fine, let them go have their own non-Christian nation and let Christians unite. Then America would be such a good place. I'm tampering a little bit with next week, you're, you're hearing. If we can just get all the bad people out of the way, then Mary can really step up and do what, you know, God, God really wants something wonderful in America. But I read this verse in the Bible, and it said, if my people who are called by my name will get rid of all the hookers and all the drug dealers and all the nastiness. Oh, wait, wait, that's not what that verse says. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land and the nation will be brought back to the heart of God. Now, I've got a radical element of this that I'm going to bring next week and I'm going to stop there or else I'm going to get a little crazy with all of it. But I just want you to, say, I want you to understand the problem in our world is not the abundance of darkness. The problem in our world is the absence of light. Largely, the problem in our world is an unloving church that does not represent the love of Christ the way God wants the church to represent the love of Christ. And we're formulating and cultivating all of our political arguments and the reasons why it's okay for us to be hateful. But I read in Scripture where it said, 
It's the kindness of the Lord that led me to repentance. So when we start to perpetuate a gospel that lacks kindness, we will produce a gospel in a nation that does not produce repentance, and then we will shift blame. And here's the thing. Again, God meets us where we are, and we have an obligation. And when we get more interested in winning arguments than we are in loving people, we are simply no longer like Jesus. So Jesus wants to meet every one of us right where we are. Now here, listen, that's the face of man. What's the next face? Lion. Hmm. See, he doesn't just stop there. You've got to understand, Jesus does not meet us where we are to leave us there. Okay? He meets us where we are, face of a man. Then as a lion, he meets us where we are to tell us what we need to hear. We need to know the truth. Guys, I'm not in any way saying or advocating we back away from the truth. We need to take our stand on the truth. The face of the lion roars and declares in the midst of territory where there's great uncertainty. Whatever that roar is, that roar will remain. And I'm not advocating anything less than that, but we've got to get the order and the progression of this right so that we can understand. Because the lion, the face of the lion, the face of God tells us what we need to hear. God is a conversational father. He's a conversational father. I, a friend of destiny, pastors Ken and Eve Spicer in Southern California lead a church there, and he comes and ministers every year. Uh, they were here a few years ago, and their daughter had just had her first baby. Baby's name's Ezra, and we're like driving down. <clears throat> we went to this restaurant that kicked one of our elders out one time, and as we're driving downtown, and we're driving to that space, then uh, Eve, Ken's wife, gets on the phone and starts having a, a conversation, a little eye chat, you know, going on with the grandbaby. And it was really awesome. And so Ken, he is a Marine. I one time, once, I once said he's an ex-Marine, and then I was greatly corrected by another Marine nearby, and he said, I will tell you, sir, there are no ex-Marines. So... <laughs> It's kind of a Calvinistic thing, once simplify, always simplify, I think is what the deal is. But anyway, so there he is, he's, he's uh, you know, he's, he's talking to me, and he's like, you know, yeah, you know, guy talk, yeah, football, yeah, muscle, yeah, yeah, you know, guy stuff, dudes, marine, and I, I mean, I kind of take my man card up a notch when I'm with him. I know I dress a little sissy every once in a while in the name of fashion. I'm not scared to admit it. When he's around, man, I dress it up a little bit. I take my man card up just one notch. And so, yeah, we're talking. And then I saw this Marine. I saw this man, like real man. I saw him get on the phone with baby Ezra. Hey, hang on a second. I'm going to talk to my grandson. I love you. How many of you have a baby voice? Because we love to speak the language of the child we care about. God speaks your language. He speaks your language. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I'm going to guess these angels walk around like this. And when they observe God having a conversation with they probably are like, huh? <laughs> God speaks your language. He roars 
like a lion, but he is the face of a man who pastors and teaches us and helps us get it on a level that we need to get it so we don't stay where we've been, but we go where he desires for us to go. Come on, he reaches into a three-day sober junkie's life and takes him to a place where he pastors at a church, has married, has four kids, and thank God we celebrate Aaliyah's tremendous success in her surgery this last week. In Jesus' name. This guy that was just trying to stay off of drugs is now taking a bold stand and declaring, as for me and my house, we are going to experience the power of God. Are you going where God wants you to go? He meets you with the face of the man. He roars with the face of the lion. And then the ox, he's taking us where we need to go. I I just want to say, I want to be honest. I don't like the greasy gospel. I don't like that slip it in and you got a hole in your heart. Jesus will fill that hole in your heart. If you want to smile, look at me smile. If you want to smile, raise your hand and your smile will come back. And then you get knocked upside the head. And like, once you sign up for the army of God, the devil gets your address. Have you figured that out? Like all of a sudden he knows your number. And so I I just want to say it this way. It won't be easy. It will be hard. It will be worth it. It won't be easy. It will be hard, but it will be worth it. Come on. It won't be easy. It will be hard, but it will be worth it. My question is, are you willing to surrender your own personal agenda to the agenda of God that wants to change the world around you? Like people around you seeing the love of God because you're way generous, not because you're generous, but because he is. That's the real gospel. Like fake Christians try and pretend they're really nice. Be honest. You're a jerk. So am I. But whenever I get past my jerk self and say, all right, all right, all right, Lord. What do you want to do in this situation? Like, I don't have time for these people driving down the road, see a situation. I don't have time for this. And the Lord says, go help them. How many know he's just way more generous with our time than we are? And he knows what you have to do. Don't try and argue. Well, Lord, I would, but I have this. Like, he's going to say, oh, I didn't know. (laughs) He knows what's going on. It won't be easy. It will be hard. It will be worth it. There's some places only you can take you. Some places only you can take you. I I know that there are some places we all can be preached into. Somebody preaches it just right, and we take a step forward in our faith in an area, whatever. I understand that, but there's some places only you can take you by praying yourself into. Some places only you can take you by staying steady in the Word for weeks and months and years and decades. That only you can take you in some places in your faith, and you've got to go there. And the face of the ox says that. We are going to do this no matter what. What you do with what you have is what you give to God. What you do with whatever you have, that's what you give to God. So I want to challenge you to be diligent with your dreams. Be diligent with your dreams. You know, diligence, if you'll think about it this way, diligence is about doing a little thing for a long time until something big happens. It won't be easy. It will be hard. It will be worth it. 
Be diligent with your dream. Don't abandon just because it gets hard. It's hard to make progress at anything if you keep quitting every time it's not easy. Be diligent with your dream. And this is why this is so important. Like, how many of you know the purposes of God for your life? Can I just see you know the purposes of God? And it is a trick question. That's why you're like, hmm, tricking me, aren't you? And the reason is because, yes, you know that now. But in a month, it will be broadened if you grow in him and a knowledge of his purposes. This is, this is all I'm trying to say. God's purposes for your life are progressively revealed, gradually released, as we are increasingly faithful with the seasons and stages at hand. You, you get that. Like, he's eternal. So, He's constantly revealing next level purpose, next level life, next level faith. God's purposes are progressively revealed, gradually released as we are increasingly faithful with the seasons and stages at hand. Last face of God, the eagle. And I, I'm not going to say a lot about this because for the sake of time, again, you can read more on the blog if you'd like, but the verse of Scripture I just want to point to, Proverbs 29, 18, the message, it says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. How important do you think this particular face of God is? Like to be able to see beyond. I mean, I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you could just get a glimpse of what God has in store for you, if you're willing to bring your life under the Lordship of Christ, how many of you think it might change the way you live? Let me just repeat that. Well, let me just say, when I was, you know, in, in my wrapped up world self and not serving Jesus, if you could have taken me out of that context and fast forwarded me to meeting my wife today and our two daughters and this incredible church that I have the privilege of being a part of, I mean, if you could have shown me a glimpse of that and then gone back to, how many of you think I would have said, whoa, whoa, whoa. 19-year-old young man who's OD'd on drugs a couple of times. Hey, wake up. I mean, I'd be coaching, you know, I'd be saying, you can do this, man, come on. Like, didn't you, didn't you see that? You understand, that's what the Holy Spirit's always trying to do. He's the voice of the eagle who's seen things in you that you don't even realize exist. If people can't see what God's doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they're most blessed. Have you ever been driving down the road and you look over and there in the car next to you, somebody's jamming to the tunes, right? How many of you, you were jamming to the tunes and someone looked at you and you felt crazy, especially if that music really got in you, right? Like it's your favorite song, oh, Buttermilk Sky, whatever your favorite song may be. And it starts really... It starts really going. Like it, it awakens something in you. You just are like, you know, you, uh, 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 uh. go Jesus, go Jesus, you know. And then you look over it, they're watching you. And they think you're crazy because they're not hearing what you're hearing. They're not understanding why you're doing what you're doing. But I believe when we start to interface with the face of the eagle and we begin to hear from God things that are way beyond comprehension, then we're going to start doing things that people aren't going to understand because we're hearing things people aren't going to hear. I believe God has incredible plans for your life. Will you believe? Can these bones still live? 
Let's give Jesus a standing ovation. Would you just stand? Come on, let's give him a standing ovation today. He is a wonderful God. There is hope in every circumstance. Hope in every situation. We turn our heart and our face to God Almighty. So there were some other things that I wanted to talk to you about, but let me just commission you to this. This week, your action point, turn the page. And purpose conversations with God every day. He has something he wants to, he's going to meet you right where you are. He won't meet you there to leave you there. He'll meet you there to tell you something, to help you begin to get a diligent, tenacious heart to plow through whatever the circumstances may be. The circumstances may explain you. They do not have to define you. Keep moving forward. So that then you begin to see some things that you never realized even existed just on the horizon of your life. God has amazing plans for your life. It won't be easy. It will be hard. It will be worth it. And this begins by our willingness to say, Jesus, you are who you say you are. And I just want to ask you, like the most important decision you can make is to come to faith in Christ Jesus. That first, like I explained my whole relationship with my wife. You know how all that started? It started with a word. It started with the conversation. I said, hey. And she said, hey. I said, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like, it, you know, went from there. The conversation started. That's like what God did. He sent his son who's a word. Kind of like, hey. And if you've not made a decision to receive Christ for who he is, today is a really important day that will change all of your eternity. So come on, Lord, I pray that you move in our hearts just as we enter into a little bit of a worship, just a few moments of worship to express our heart and our adoration to do something with what you've given to us. I pray that we would wholeheartedly let Jesus be our declaration. Just with heads bowed, eyes closed, you're here and you say, I, I need to make that decision today. I'm not sure where I stand with God. Just slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Just quickly, anybody else? Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Just quickly. Come on, let's all pray this. Would you just join with me and say, Lord Jesus, you are who you say you are. You came. You lived. You died. But you're alive. I accept. You're my Savior. Be Lord of my life. Help me to enter in to the greater conversation that God desires to have with me. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.